You're listening to Motorhead Monthly, the Motorhead Monthly podcast, hence the name, genius. I am your host, uh, my name's Liam, Matt Hinsman is the other host, but he doesn't do the editing, I do the editing, so I put my name first. This month on Motorhead Monthly, we are doing another Motorhead Memories, and we are talking to Smell. Smell is a super fan, he is a good dude who has got a lot of stories, some great memorabilia he shows us. And he's also in a band that is not a tribute band, but in itself is a living tribute to Motorhead. Feel free to use that for promotion purposes as well. That band is called Segregates, and you can find them on Instagram and Facebook and segregates.co.uk to find out about all their upcoming gigs and what have yous. But on this episode, he's talking more about his time spent following the band on tour, and like I said, showing us all his cool memorabilia. We'll get right to that now, but I guess I should also mention at the top here that he's shown us this memorabilia, so you're going to want to see it with your own eyes. You can do that by going to Motorhead Monthly Podcast on Instagram and at Motor Monthly on Twitter. So let's get on with this episode. Motorhead Memories, Episode 3, Smell. Right, well, I'm Matt as well, or Smell, whatever you want to call me. I've been cursed with that name for a long time. Where does that name come from? Uh, like when you're punk rock or whatever and you're a kid you get fucking daft names don't you? and I got it after uh, a particularly uh, bad party when I was 13 and woke up covered in fucking chocolate mousse and <laughs> yeah not good really <laughs> so let's begin at the beginning then eh shall we uh, earliest motorhead memory well I first uh, like got into motorhead I had like a rock and roll uncle you know he had like a mullet and leather jacket and stuff and uh, he gave me Overkill on tape when I was probably about fucking, I don't know, nine or ten. And then uh, I kind of stuck with him, but not so much really, not until sort of in my 20s did I get properly into him. Because there's I was getting into so much punk rock and stuff, and there's just so much, you know what I mean? There's so much going about, and uh, a Motorhead was sort of always out of my price range. When I could go see the subs for a fiver, Motorhead was like 30 quid, so... Uh, yeah, I did. I, you know, I didn't properly get into really, really start delving in in my obsession until about about two thousand six or seven or something like that. That seems to when they've had a quite, or I seem to think of it as having quite a big resurgence around that time, like just yeah. after like Inferno came out. Because I think that's just as I went to uni. So I don't know if it's just like an age thing of where all my group of mates sort of hit that time where you can start like going out drinking on your own and everything hmm. and then at the same time motorhead had a massive album come out as well yeah. or they were on like they were on a big upturn after sort of the the weird late 90s period which is is cool and everything that we're getting to but like they really started to hit out proper banging albums after 2000 well that's the way yeah. i see it anyway well, I mean, I, I like I like all the stuff that they did, but I mean, if you watch some of the bootlegs uh, from the nineties, they were playing some fucking really small places. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, I've got a poster on my wall here, sneakers in Texas. I mean, what the fuck is that? Is that some bar or something? I don't know. You know, that's where they were playing back then. And um, like, yeah, like you say, I think it was Inferno that t- turned things around. That was when uh, my little brother, he got into Motorhead as well. He was sort of more into heavy metal and things. He, and uh, I'm ashamed to say he saw them before I did. Oh, shit. Yeah. Well, we... Most fucked off about that. 
But I I outdid him on numbers though. <laughs> what number are you up to? Well, uh, I think it's somewhere around forty. Forty. Yeah. Jesus Christ, well beat me. Yeah. Uh, I start started going in two thousand nine. What tour was that? Two thousand nine. What album? Uh, uh, what will it have been? Motorizer, maybe was it? Motorizer or Kiss of Death, maybe. Think I think it might have been. Motorizer. Three times that first 2009. I went to see them in Manchester 2009 with our lass, and uh, it was just fucking unbelievable. Uh, and then uh, I got back to York and I rang my uh, my mate, the guitar, the, one of the original guitarists in Segregates, and said, Right, we're off to go see fucking Motorhead. So we went down to London um, and uh, with no tickets, nowhere to stay. It was just absolute chaos. Ended up sleeping outside King's Cross train station. Where did he play in London? Fucking, uh, that was Hammersmith, I think. Probably was Hammersmith. <laughs> seems to be, yeah. yeah. I, I never yeah. got to see them outside of the north. I'm really jealous about that, actually. I think we would where have gone you, to Where that. do you two used to go? Manchester? Manchester, yeah. Occasionally yeah. Liverpool <laughs> when they'd bother. I think that was like twice ever. But yeah, I think yeah. we would have been at the 09. Definitely. The Apollo. Yeah. Probably, I'm guessing it was at the Apollo. I never saw him in Liverpool. It was always, it was always Manchester, which I was surprised about. Was that uh, was it? Live fast, die old. Where Campbell's saying, you know, we'll never play this shit all again. We'll do Liverpool next year. Exactly. Then, yeah. <laughs> fuck knows. But um, and then 2010, I did, I think five. Uh, f- yeah, five gigs. That's when I started. They started like managing to get passes out of them you know what i mean okay after, after show passes and stuff through a bit of uh pestering <laughs> so is that just how that process works you just hang around and keep asking till they give you some well i i, I wasn't really asking for passes what happened was i th- think it was 2010 we went to the leeds uh gig that's like the closest one to us um and uh we basically fucking hung around outside in the snow drinking whiskey from about one o'clock in the afternoon with like a bag full of records to get signed and stuff like that. And then uh, Lemmy's bus turned up and uh, it was Alan Hungerford who was his PA at the time. He came out of the bus and he said, uh, there was, you know, there was a few other people sort of milling around and uh, he came off the bus and he said, look, do me a favor. Lemmy's getting off. He's going in. He can't be out here in this cold. You know what I mean? He's fucking old bloke on it. Um, and it was fucking freezing. I think it was snowing a little bit. Uh, just so, just uh, just let him walk in. Don't be pestering him. And I'll come back out later and I'll take things in to get signed. So we, you know, we fucking stood there. Then he saw him get off the bus, and we were like, "Holy fucking shit!" There he is, the Colonel. You know what I mean? <laughs> and <laughs> we let him walk by, but some other fuckers they, uh, you know, pounced on him, started pestering him. Alan, Hungerf- Alan Hungerford went absolutely ballistic telling them to fuck off you're not getting anything signed fuck you um and then uh he stuck to his word and like half an hour later he come back out took my records in to get signed um they tried to pinch my fucking copy of inferno that bastard never come back i had to go go back and try and get that uh but then you know i said to alan you know what's the chance of you know you know actually like going and shaking the man's hand and he said Come back here after the show, and I'll see what I can do. So we watched the show, went back there after to the stage door, and he came out and he said, look, 
not tonight, man. He's too busy. Are you doing any others? And I said, uh, yeah, I'm going to London and Brighton. And he said, well, London, no chance. But Brighton, I'll put you on the, you know, I'll put you a couple of guest passes and we'll see what we can do. And uh, it sort of started from there. And then um, I still didn't get to meet him in Brighton. We got a couple of guest passes. Me and my mate went down there. Uh, the, the after show, he sort of pulled us to one side and said, look, he's fucking knackered. Uh, so he took a couple of other bits to get signed for us. And he said, uh, I'll see you next year. So then the following year, um, uh, I got a laminate. Oh, yeah. Well, where was for that for? Well, that was a tour laminate. That was oh, for the full tour. Oh, just for the tour. entire tour, yeah. Wow. So what yeah, does the tour yeah. laminate mean then for the, the layman's out there? What does that give you access to? Well, I'll show you. It's, uh, where are we? That was the first one that I got. That was the VIP. Can you see that? Yeah, but we'll be able to see it on the podcast, though. So we'll, we'll, no, we'll, no, we'll take I'm some pictures you. afterwards. Yeah. We'll, we'll add them. That was, that was the VIP one, and that was like, it pretty much gets you most places. I mean... There's about fucking six different levels of passes. There's yeah. like after show, guest, VIP, triple uh, X, and all this. So you could, I could get in for sound checks and stuff like that, and uh, sort of mill around backstage, um, just making a fucking nuisance of myself, <laughs> really. <laughs> That's fucking so cool, man. So it was just the fact that you were sound enough to give him space when he needed it, and then they've seen you at enough shows to know that you're a loyal fan, and they just let uh, you in on it. Yeah. I mean, it was Singerman, it was Todd Singerman that I emailed for 2010 and said, look, I'm going to do seven shows this tour. Uh, Alan you know, said, you might be able to sort me out a pass. And he said, right, no worries, I'll have a word with Alan. Then he got back to me and he said, uh, how many guests are you bringing to each show? And I was like, well, right. Uh, so I told him and then at the first show in Wolverhampton, there was a, a, a laminate for me. And then for every show that I went to after that, there were uh, paper guest passes for the after show for whoever I was with as well, which was fucking cool. Some rock and roll lifestyle, that, isn't it? That is boss. And the uh, persistence paid off. Yeah, pestering pays off in the end. And then, uh, and then because of that, I did those seven shows, and I wrote up a uh, like a like some shitty sort of like pseudo Hunter S. Thompson style like articles right on this like fucking wordpress thing about my adventures on the road with motorhead and uh then i had the idea like maybe next year i should do all of the gigs and write a book so i put this forward to todd singerman and uh yeah he seemed seemed quite interested in it and they sent me a, a book deal and all this sort of carry on and then i got the pass for the 2012 and then i did 20 shows 20 shows man fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they, one month of uh, non-stop chaos. I was going to say their tour schedule is pretty intense. <laughs> as yeah, in... Well, but I think 2012 they were doing two days on, one day off. I think, I mean, I might be wrong, but um, yeah, so it was like 20 gigs in 30 days. Bloody hell. Yeah, uh, 10 on. over here and 10 in, in Europe. What, out of, out of those 20... Even though they've probably some of them have probably merged into one. Is there the a favourite? All of them, man. Trying to write this book. I mean, <laughs> it's 2019. Do you see any book? There's no fucking book. <laughs> no, no. But have you have you got like any any like standout moments from that where you're like, yes, that was yeah. that was the one. I out of all this, this is what I this is what I uh, I love and came here for. Uh, there was all sorts. I mean, the few times that I met Lemmy and stuff. Obviously, they were all very special. 
Um, I mean, the first time that I met Lemmy was in 2011. Where, uh, after the first show, we went upstairs outside his dressing room. We were told to wait there. We hung around for a while. And I was almost falling asleep. I was full of whiskey and stuff. And then uh, he just came out, come, come out the door. And like audibly, I looked up and went, holy fucking shit. Like, <laughs> like a complete and utter bell end. And he went, all right, all right, like this. I gave him a fucking a book on Hitler, right? So I know he's into all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. So I gave him this book and I went, all right, Lem, uh, I bought this book. It was like the fucking history of Hitler's fucking horrific regime and all this. I goes, I bought this book and I was reading on the night shifts, but I don't do night shifts anymore, so I'm never going to finish it. And he looks at me and he went, uh, well, we all know how this one ends, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> and then, <laughs> and later on that tour, uh, this is 2011 still. Um, after the Manchester gig, which was my last one, and I think it was their last one before they went into Europe. Uh, you know, I, I was there with our last. I took our last to this one. And uh, we're waiting outside. Alan Ungerford comes out and he goes, here, Matt, carry this for me. And he hands me a fucking cardboard box with all Lemmy's gear in it. And he's fucking one of his hats on the top. And it, I had to carry it onto the bus, and I carried it on, and I went, I am the road. <laughs> <laughs> and he went, because you don't want to fucking be, mate. <laughs> but then <laughs> then Lemmy comes out, and he goes on the bus, and I said to Sadie, I goes, oh, I'll introduce you to Lemmy, you know what I mean? Trying to act like I'm cool, like I'm fucking, I'm in there and all this. I wasn't, you know. But uh, So Lemmy stood at the top of his, the steps on the tour bus, and I went, all right, Lem. This is our last Sadie, right? Trying to act cool right in front of her. Yeah. And he just went, oh, uh, you a lucky boy. And pushed me to one side <laughs> and fucking grabbed hold of her. Classy. <laughs> yeah, so then the uh, the picture that was taken on the bus is like him like with our lass and me just sort of poking my head in. Yeah. Uh, so even at the fucking ripe old age of 65 or 66, he was still like, uh, you know, he's still Grabby. one for the birds, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm just looking up the set list for uh, that 2012 Manchester show. And that was when yeah. the Anthrax were in support as well, wasn't it? Yeah, Anthrax and Diaries of a Hero, fucking, who we became uh, yeah. good mates with. Love a bit of Anthrax, mate. And that that's like a classic set list, that, man. That's Metropolis, Stay Clean, Going to Brazil. Not much from the... Rocket is probably the newest stuff on there. Well, Rocket, that came about halfway through through in the tour. I can't remember what they dropped. They changed it around a bit. I mean, on, in the first shows, they, they opened with Sacrifice, which was fucking pretty mind-blowing. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, no, no, no. Sorry, Rocket was in it from the beginning. They added Dr. Rock. Good uh, choice. <laughs> and um, they also... I saw them uh, in Glasgow um, on in that 2012... I saw them fucking working out, um, get ready, you know, the Thin Lizzy tune. Are you ready, yeah? Are, Are you ready, ready that's it, yeah. Are I saw them fucking work that out in soundcheck, and then they started playing that for the rest of the tour as well, which suited them fucking down to the ground, really. We saw them play uh, Rosalie, there's a Thin Lizzy cover, I never saw them play that. Yeah, they, they, I mean, they were sound checking. It was weird, every sound check they did Rosalie, and then they decided to add in uh, Are You Ready? Um, uh, uh, I mean, you'll find, you know, you look on YouTube, you'll find some videos of it and stuff. I looked that but, up actually, yeah. 
Yeah, the, the bass was. I mean, the music fitted him fucking perfectly. I thought the vocal uh, perhaps didn't suit Lenny too well, but but the it, attitude it was of that song's bang on for Motorhead, I think. Yeah, but I think the the best gig on that 2012. Sorry, I fucking like skirted around this. My head's like. It's listening to your podcast, right? Which is like awoken all this shit in my brain about, you know what I mean? <laughs> what it all is. Uh, <laughs> uh, but 2012, the best show was Ludwigsburg in Germany uh, for a few reasons. We were, uh, there was there was three of us traveling together, but one of Elliot, um, he, uh, he didn't come to the sound check. He went wandering off. In in Europe, we we would go to every sound check and we'd stand on the front row and we'd stay there for Motorhead because, especially in Germany, well, actually, or everywhere in Europe, you think it's fucking mania over here, over there. It's just fucking absolute bedlam. Yeah, you know what I mean? Real chaos like a, and the an gigs were miles bigger. Shots up and band in Germany, aren't they? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, Ludwigsburg was it seemed fucking massive. Uh, but anyway, so we would stay on the front row and keep our places just sort of in front of Campbell to give him a load of shit, <laughs> to give him all his grief, you know what I mean? Pester him for drinks and stuff. <laughs> and uh, But anyway, we're down the front, and just before Anthrax come on, Diaries of Hero play, just before Anthrax come on, Campbell comes walking down the photo pit to us with a fucking tray of beers, right? And he gives me and my mate the pest. He gives us two fucking pints of beer each. And this, you know, obviously the, the place is full and everyone's going, oh, Phil Campbell, Phil Campbell, and all this. And he just ignored them all. Came straight to us. He goes, all right, boys. <laughs> I can't hear his voice. And he gives us these beers and he goes, uh, after Mickey's drum solo, come over the barrier and you can come and watch the rest of the set by, uh, you know, on the stage. Oh, yeah side the stage and we were like fucking right nice so uh we had these beers we watched watched it and stuff and during i don't i don't know what it was i don't know if it was because campbell came down to us and the the blokes stood behind us we're not you know what i mean they were best impressed these fucking english wankers coming in like getting front row i don't know what it was but we were getting jabs in the kidneys and all sorts all the way through the set and then uh, comes to drum solo time, and we were like, right, let's we'll get the fuck out of here. So we like getting over the barrier, getting pulled out, and fucking kicking these geezers behind <laughs> us. And we get us over, and obviously the guys take our place, which is what they wanted. And um, they're looking at us like we're we're running away because we couldn't take this fucking punishment we were getting. Anyway, we ended up on the fucking side of the <laughs> stage, so we like wanking down on them. Yeah, so we uh, we watched the rest of the setup there. And um, I can't, you know, when Mickey D, he does that thing at the end of one of the songs where he, he throws all the sticks up in the air. Yeah, tries catching them. Yeah, well, I can't remember what song it was, but he was doing that. And Victor, uh, Mickey and Phil's uh, like PA guy, came across to the pest, right, my mate, and he goes, uh, go stand behind the drum riser and you can, <laughs> you can take home any sticks that you can catch. Right? <laughs> So I was filming him. He went behind. All these sticks are flying over. And he's well, absolutely arsehole. We've been on the piss for fucking three weeks or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? And all these sticks are raining down and him, hitting him on the head. He didn't catch fucking one. <laughs> then he, try, <laughs> he tries to gather them all up. And Victor gets all of them. He goes, whoa, you didn't catch any of them, you cunt. Fuck off. 
that's amazing. And then uh, earlier on that day, we went into Campbell's dressing room and we gave him a hat. We found this like, uh, you know, he wears all the fedoras, doesn't he? We mm. found this like disco fedora, you know, of all sequins and like a glitter ball. Found one of them in this like shitty fucking shop somewhere, Ludwigsburg. So we uh, we took that for him, and like we were sat in his dressing room, and he's like acting out scenes from Benidorm and stuff. It was fucking <laughs> weird, <laughs> um, but it was it was good because when they went to play Overkill, he came over and he swapped his hat and he put the fucking shiny hat on. <laughs> so then we're on the stage, you know what I mean, next to his amps, getting pummeled by the fucking noise, looking out at this sea of people, and he's wearing this hat that we've got him, and that was fucking that was real special. That was a you know, proper moment to remember. Wow, man, you must have some stories there. I'm looking forward to this book. <laughs> uh, yeah, you don't hold your fucking breath. <laughs> I've done about, it's about three quarters of the first draft and then it gets difficult because, I mean, I made a lot of notes and did like, uh, you know, took like a, what is it, voice recorder and, mm -hmm. and whatnot. But it's just like hours and hours and hours of like loads of Motorhead fans in pubs just talking bollocks, you know what I mean? <laughs> And uh, and trying to like piece together what happened without making it so repetitive is like it's quite difficult. I'm I'm gonna try and redo it. I've got a mate that's like a bit of a literary genius, and uh, I think we're gonna start from scratch and like do it in a more interview-based form rather than me just trying to cobble together with my fucking poor academic skills. You know. Let me ask you this: You're in a good position to tell us more about the like the road crew like backstage kind of aspect of this because this is something we've been talking about as of late as obsessed mm. with that song we are the road crew that we are like what was like the organization like back there was it like a good relaxed atmosphere or was it like on tippy toes around them uh i don't think anyone was on tippy toes around them um i mean it was usually tim butcher that was always with them you know what i mean but like his handler uh, all I've got to say, I mean, he was his bass tech, one of and like he's just—I think they, you know what I mean. He's been with him for a long, the longest amount of time out of that crew. I think I could be wrong, you know what I mean. There's there's far more fucking more, you know, clued up people than me. But they, I, I tell you one thing: that crew, the way that they work is is pretty fucking spectacular. You know what I mean? There was never any problems. Everything was dealt with there and then. Um, but backstage. I saw bits and pieces of fucking utter chaos as well. Um, there was one time, I think in Munich, uh, we were backstage, and uh, not only did one of the road crews try and... Uh, he was chasing my mate the pest around with a banana. <laughs> He's trying to penetrate okay. him with a fucking banana. <laughs> but <laughs> then uh, also that same night, it was a bit lively. Like uh, I remember, so one of the one of the crew going into like the toilets, and there must have been a shower in there as well backstage. And they went in with this cool box full of ice, and they fucking whipped it over the top of this shower <laughs> on a guy that's having a shower. So he comes running out chasing the guy, but Mickey D's in there as well having a piss. So when all this chaos happens. The guy comes out and thinks it's Mickey D. So Mickey D comes running out of his fucking trousers around his ankles. <laughs> Yeah, there was there's, like there were the scenes of chaos, but there, you know, there, when it was time to work, the fucking you can't. I, I couldn't ever imagine a more professional bunch of like fucking maniacs, really. Yeah, 
That is what Danko said, isn't it? With Danko Jones, and he said it was one of the best road crews he's ever seen. Yeah, yeah. So they were very um, committed. Funny well enough, oiled. actually, do you know uh, what was he called? Dan Halen. Do you remember him? No. I've heard the he, name. He, he was he was Lemmy's PA on like uh, Lemmy the movie sort of time. Right. Yeah. Well, he's got a fucking podcast out now. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's only two episodes in, but you should check that out. It's on Spotify. I think it's called uh, God's PA or something. God's PA. All right, I'll yeah. check that out. I think because I think yeah, that's what it is. He's writing a book. Um, and he, uh, who did he interview? He had um the bus driver. That was quite interesting. Listening to that, listening to Lemmy come down and bollock him and stuff like that, you know. Okay, so uh, more just general fan questions of Motorhead. Then, so what's like your favorite album? My favourite album has got to be Bastards. Bastards. Nice. With, yeah, without a doubt. Man, that's um, one of yours, isn't it? It's, it's like when they found their feet with a four-piece lineup. I thought. Like, it was kind of a bit up and down after Orgasmatron and going into... I can't remember the bloody... Line, March or Die, and where you've got all these lineup changes, and then they brought Bastards out, and, like, every track is boss. It's so good. Well, that was, like, Mickey's first that proper album, yeah. wasn't it? Um, I, I that for me that's fucking perfection in it that album. But I have to, I mean, I've listened to all your stuff. You're, you're up to Orgasmatron, aren't you? That's the last one. Yeah. No, we've not. We've done March or Die since then. Oh no, oh, no. yeah, oh, yeah. I've heard March. Yeah, I've, that was it. March or Die. Yeah. Um, I've got to disagree with you though on like the rock and roll and Orgasmatron. I think they, I think they were a bit better than what you thought. I just hate rock and roll. <laughs> Orgasmatron's okay. The song. Or the, uh, album. Most of the songs I don't like. I don't know. I just thought it was a bit lackluster rock and roll. I think they could have done with like a bit more time to figure things out. And March or Die and Orgasmatron, there's there's some really good stuff in there, but some of the bad hurts the good too much. But Bastards is really when they hit it out of the park. I think the only yeah, thing I, I, I think's a bit sad about it is they had. March or Die, which got like massively heavily promoted because it has Ozzy and Slash and everyone on it, and then they they release like a really good follow up, and it gets no fanfare. <laughs> and there's a big rumor that the record company released it as a tax loss. It's it's such like yeah, a that's shame. What, that's what the Colonel said, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. But like, I I really like that album, and it it deserves. It ended up coming out on like a. a... Yeah, it came out like a German dance label. Yeah, like Y fucking X something. Yeah, like X Y Z or something. I can't. Still impossible to find. X Y Z. That's it. But yeah, it's it's bizarre because it's it's typical Spinal Tap type (laughs) motorhead where you know everything goes wrong, and as as soon as things are going right, something massively goes wrong. Yeah, but. You know, it's it's still yeah. an album for the fans and for I, anyone. I get, I get really annoyed with people that overlook that. You know, you get a lot of people going on about all oh, the classic lineup and all this, and I just think, you know, I show a bit of fucking respect. If if you'd like, you know, the Colonel, if you like Lemmy that much, you should appreciate everything that he did. Really, I think. Yeah, I like. I like in in a way though. I like that. It's like almost a fans album. Like the the proper fans will know about it, whereas yeah. people who just buy the the shirts in Primark <laughs> probably only know Ace of Spades, but it's, it's double-edged sword, really. I think we talked yeah, about the, this. The Ace of Shaves. Yeah. 
Bastards has got some great tracks on it, man. Death or Glory, I, uh, Born to Raise Hell, Lost in the Ozone, personal favorite of mine. Do you have any preference, like leaning towards like like the, the more thrashy parts or the more ballady ones, or you just take it all as it comes? I take it all as it comes, really. But obviously, I mean, those first three tracks, fucking hell, man, they rip your balls off. Don't they? Unbelievable. On your feet or on your knees for me is probably the finest opening to an album ever. Mm. Well, we used to cover one off that album as well, and I can't uh, remember what it was. I am the sword. I am the sword. Which is not a song that should be tried to be covered by anyone. I don't no. think. <laughs> it was yeah. it was interesting trying to cover oh, that. You scene. did, huh? We did, yeah, back in the day. Yeah, although our yeah, guitarist had what never was, heard what the song. What band was it called? Oh, what was that? Was in Road Crew? No, was that, that was no? to the strongest. Yeah. Our, sure our first band was called Road Crew, but the crew was spelled with a K. So that's how cool yeah. we were. <laughs> this is like the MySpace yeah. days. This. Mm. So is the is there any like uh, recording of you attempting that? No, fortunately <laughs> not. Our guitarist uh, had never heard the song before. Yeah. When we well, when we covered I, it. I saw um, Campbell and the Bastard Sons last year, and I was speaking to. Uh, one of the lads, uh, I can never remember the fucking names, you know, his, his, his lads. I always get them mixed up. I was speaking to one of them afterwards, and they played the fucking stupid wrestling song, The Game or whatever. And yeah. I said, what are you playing at? You know what I mean? You've got this fucking vast array of tunes <laughs> that, that Campbell wrote. You've got I Am The Sword, and you're playing this fucking bullshit wrestling theme, which, for me, the... Was it three wrestling songs they did? They did, yeah. They did uh, The Game, King of Kings and Evolution. And um, Line in the Sand, was it? Yeah, that's the Evolution one. Oh, is it? Yeah. Well, I thought those three songs were the fucking worst pieces of shit (laughs) I've ever heard. It it was shocking. They're they're not like studio album songs. It's just something these to make some money off of aren't, they suppo- aren't songs like that supposed to be like a three or four second loop yeah exactly yeah sure. i don't think that did, didn't they get did he get handed the lyrics or something see i've looked into this and it says like uh written by but i have read some other things that it was the we's actual in-house music guy that wrote it and he just sang yeah. it but i'm not sure i remember hearing something about it uh, I'm not sure if Lemmy rewrote the track or I don't know. I can't remember now. But I've got zero interest in them. And um, yeah, I made my point very clear. <laughs> so to, camp, to one of Campbell's kids. Uh, so, so talking of bands and stuff, then your band, like when did when did that start? Uh, 2011. Okay. Yeah, it was me and Elliot, the lad that uh, well we met. That, that time outside Leeds where I first saw Lemmy get off the bus and all that, we met met up there. We used to talk to each other on the, motor, the old Motorhead Forum and we said, you know, should we go pester Lemmy on this tour? And we met up and then uh, decided to form Segregates, which is essentially a 100% poor imitation of Motorhead. <laughs> It's a, like a loving tribute. I when I the first thing I thought when I heard it was like, oh shit, that's a that's as close as to Lemmy vocals as I'm probably going to hear anyone getting. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> did you like try to strain your voice? Like, are you smoking more on purpose to make it sound more like Lemmy? Is it the microphone position? How, or is this just yes. like your natural voice somehow? Mate, I can't fucking sing. I've been in punk bands for a long time, and that's just how it is. 
so you think you've you've like fucked your voice up along the way and this is just how it's turned out or is it just still it's just shouting and screaming because uh i've got no vocal range no uh <laughs> no melodic qualities nothing you know what i mean i can't play the bass <laughs> uh, i'm a fucking fraud musician i've just been carried by whoever's on the drums and guitar which fortunately these days are the fucking absolutely proper people you know yeah <laughs> well yeah it, after we i was listening to it it's like well after like the motorhead thing i was like this has got a good punk vibe to it as well yeah, well, that I bring the fucking punk vibe to it with my fucking lack of ability and uh, lack of interest in becoming a musician either. I, I mean, it for like just fucking about really, you know what I mean? You seem to Boozing. be getting out there though. You got some gigs and stuff. <laughs> yeah, we've just done a tour actually with uh, Leader of Down, which was the band that Wurzel set up before he died. We were going to ask you them? about that. <laughs> so, is that where you played with Phil Campbell as well? Like. We've we played re- with Phil Campbell about two years ago in Selby, and yeah. Le- Leader of Down did that one as well. That's the thing we've been just been researching like frantically before the podcast <laughs> to find out yeah. about like gigs and shows you've done and everything. And like we noticed this one about you guys playing with with Leader of Down and then having loads of guest appearances. Is that how that show worked? Where they just had like a few guests musicians? No, no, coming? no. The guests. Uh are on their album yeah. the leader of down album um obviously when i mean it's fucking weird right how things come about our album bursting was named in tribute to wurzel right yeah michael wurzel bursting and that was because tim the bass player from leader of down who completed this album for his mate wurzel invited us to i met him backstage at a motorhead gig as well uh and we stayed in touch and um, he invited us down to his studio in, in Saffron Walden near Cambridge uh, and basically gave us the studio and an engineer for fucking free for a couple of weeks. And, uh, he, you know, he lent me like, he's got one of, I mean, Tim, you should get Tim on here because, you know, he's recorded with Lemmy, went over to LA, recorded with Lemmy and Cameron Webb, um, obviously with Wurzel, he's mates with Campbell. They're touring again with Campbell this year in Germany. Um but he he got us down there. He lent us all words. He's got a load of Wurzel's gear. He lent us all Wurzel's gear to use his pedals and stuff from Motorhead days. He even lent me one of Lemmy's old fucking uh, Marshall Superbass amps to use, which was pretty fucking special. And I made it sound abysmal. <laughs> so what was? Um, that's that's why that's why our album was also called Bursting, you see, and that's why Tim plays on our shit version of Riding with the Driver that's on that album. Tim plays the bass on that as it just felt right at the time, you know. And obviously, I didn't want to fucking play it. <laughs> is that your is that your your go to songs a cover then for Motorhead, or have you got a few different ones you switch between and segregate? We don't uh, we don't cover any Motorhead songs anymore. That was the one that we did for a long time. We've attempted other stuff. We we tried Snaggletooth. Um, yeah, fuck it. It's a bitch to play though. It's like all <laughs> over the. You know what I mean? It's especially for a man of my fucking limited capabilities, extremely limited capabilities. Um, I need stuff. I need tunes where I'm playing fucking one note for the entire right. verse. Yeah. <laughs> And things like riding with a driver and stuff. I mean, there's a reason why fucking Motorhead never did it, I think. Um, 
so we, do, we don't really do it anymore. Um, and also now, because, I mean, our logo, everything, we're a complete and utter fucking rip-off, and we make no bones about it, but I think it'd be going just one step too far if we started putting covers into the set as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Our drummer already plays, he plays in Motor Headache. Oh. Um, yeah, so he's had enough for doing that as well. <laughs> How many fucking Motorhead tribute bands are there around now, man? There's a few. I know Stone Death Forever yeah. used to play in, in Crash in Liverpool when it was open. Um, but that was that was dead cool where you come out of the practice room and you could just hear Motorhead <laughs> from the room next door and it's like, I'll just, I'll just stand here for a bit, <laughs> listen to this while we're having a break. But yeah, it was yeah I've, not, I've not seen them. Where are they from? I don't know where they're from exactly. From over the water. Like. Oh, are they? Yeah. I know they were just practicing in town, so I don't know whether they had a, a gig local or I don't, something. I don't but... think many bands tend to get outside of Liverpool, unfortunately. It's right. it's a bit of a, a vacuum. Yeah. Um, I think I've seen Motorhead here twice, and once was at the uni, which was... Actually, they played Both at the uni, the uni twice, uni. I yeah. think, yeah. But it's, it's odd, because it's the uni venues just like a school hall or it feels like a school yeah. hall because <laughs> it's all like yeah. wooden floors and i don't know it's well, weird f- funnily it? enough man the, the fucking venues in germany are, are the most bizarre places i've ever been they're like old disused factories and stuff and i'm be... sure one of them had markings on the floor for a basketball court <laughs> Won't be very strange they don't have like theaters and you know what i mean like you know oh, you get yeah. All like the Apollos and stuff here. You don't really get them over there. I mean, the one in Eindhoven, the gig in Eindhoven, uh, it slid all like these big fucking old yellow cranes on the ceiling and, you know, really, really strange places. There's a different sound, Lauren, when you get to Germany as well, isn't there? So they can play louder. Oh, it fucking is louder as well. <laughs> in uh, the last gig that we were at in Berlin, um, we were down in, we went into the photo pit. And uh, we fucking lent in to the PA. Like, we lent on the PA, and it was fucking pushing us off. <laughs> it's like awesome. bouncing us off, you know what I mean? Was that the last time you uh, saw Motorhead? No. Um, after the 2000... Towards, as 2012 tour rolled on, you could see Lemmy was... Uh, you know what I mean? He was going downhill. Wasn't that his best? I mean, they were playing It short. was still... For me, for me, that tour was like the last proper tour yeah i know what you mean uh, um but i mean like by that i don't did you watch the uh the memorial service when I he did. died yeah well they were saying uh i can't remember who it was it, I, oh it was uh, steve luna i think his pa at the time you know uh, that berlin show lemmy was laying on the fucking sofa he couldn't even get up um and then he heard the chance lemmy lemmy and he got up and he did it but uh, as as the tour rolled on towards that date, the our, that was our last one, Berlin. Um, the sound checks, Lemmy was fucking. You know what I mean? We're getting shorter and shorter mm-hmm. and shorter. And at Berlin, he came. He like staggered on. He played about a, one verse of Rosalie or something, and then staggered off again. He was fucked. You could see he was not a well man. You know. Yeah. Um, but we, I mean, we decided 2013. We're going to do the whole thing again because we knew it was all coming to an end. Uh, so we we booked tickets and stuff. I think the first show was going to be in Zurich. Um, I can't remember if there was going to be UK shows before that or it was starting in Zurich. But because we booked our flights 
and hotels in Zurich and train to Paris. Uh, and then we were just going to go by here after that. We thought, oh, we'll go anyway. <laughs> so, so the three of us even did a motorhead tour, which motorhead didn't even fucking do. <laughs> but it, it, it proved to be a mistake because our 30 quid uh, easy jet fucking airfares to Zurich um, seemed like a bargain at the time. But then when you roll into the pub and that, I said, you know, don't worry, lads, I'll get this first round in and it come back at like fucking 40 quid for three pints of beer. <laughs> I thought, what are we doing in Zurich? Why don't we just go to the Spoons? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Now, my last show was Birmingham 2014 and uh, went down there and that was the gig where um, Filthy and Fast Eddie came on the stage and took a bow. Oh, nice. I, yeah. we, I don't think we ever got to see no, anything like that. But, yeah. Well, looking lucky for me, I mean, I, I got, to saw, got to see Wurzel the last time he played with them as well. He played with them, uh, um, I think it was Hammersmith. Uh, but he fucking he had all pissed down his jeans. <laughs> Did Wurzel when he come on to play Ace of Spades, and uh, uh, <laughs> for some reason when Wurzel died, the Motor Headbangers magazine they put the photograph of him on stage with blue jeans <laughs> and all piss coming down his jeans. <laughs> you know, with like R.I.P. Wurzel, and I thought, fucking hell, man, pick a better photograph. <laughs> but. Uh, so I was quite lucky in that sense that I saw like those three when they weren't in the band. But I mean, that 2014 show was fucking all over the place. It was, it was, it was sad to see really. It, it was shocking. Um, Lemmy was in, it was not in a good way. I remember uh, we saw him in this Manchester and it would have been when we were with, uh, yeah, it's like my ex. I, I think, um, we took, uh, dad and son, like it was the first time he'd been to see them in like twenty years, and it was the first time this uh, this other guy had been. This poor we... kid was like thirteen years old, and like his first time seeing Motorhead was two thousand fourteen. But like, and he loved it. Yeah, he did he, love he, it. He did love it. But like, yeah. I think I turned to you afterwards, and it's like, be be strong for the, the <laughs> <Yeah>. young ones. <laughs> I mean, we, yeah. we could both see it was like, oof, that poor yeah. fella. He did not. He shouldn't have been there. Yeah. Shouldn't have been, but no. he, want, he wanted to be on the I road. Agreed. He did what he wanted to yeah. do. You could see, like, the, the song choices in the set, they were a lot slower. They were doing the, the gaps mm -hmm. between songs where Phil would do, like, a, a quite a long, drawn-out guitar solo. Like, Mickey would do, like, a longer drum solo, and yeah. there was more breaks between to allow him to go back. I mean, who did we hear from? Was it was a Coop where he was saying he was going backstage and getting oxygen between some of the yeah, songs? Yeah, yeah. Well, he had... I mean, from 2012 onwards, he had that big fucking air conditioning thing, didn't he, with the big pipe blowing at him? Yeah. Oh yeah. You remember seeing that? Um, he was he was fucked when he wanted a well man, and obviously when he got this diagnosis, you know, the few days before he actually died, and they said, you know, you fucking buckled with cancer all up in your neck and everywhere, you know. I thought, well, obviously that's quite advanced, isn't it? So why the fuck's that not been seen to before? You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I guess he's the kind of person who would have stayed away from doctors. Mm. Always yeah. on the roads. But at the same stuff, time, he's got to go to the fucking doctor for, to, for getting tour insurance. Yeah. You can't oh, just right. go straight out. They won't let you. You know, okay. um, I don't know. I don't know what went on there, but I I think it, sh it should have been over. That, that gig in 2013 where he had to fucking come off the stage in Germany or wherever it was, 
Um, it should have been fucking called a day then, I think. Yeah. Personally, because he wasn't fucking right. You know what I mean? No, yeah. I mean, he's, the, the difference in seeing him 2012, Wolverhampton, the first show to like 20 shows later, Berlin was unbelievable. He was, he was completely fucked, you know? Yeah. Different bands. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And you could see like, I mean, did you, have you heard the fucking Glastonbury? I was going to bring that up. It's such a shame because it was on like one of those slots where they just get someone who is a legend to play. And it's such a shame that because if you've ever been like it, it's not everyone's cup of tea. But if you go, you'll find something to do that it's that big and there's that much. And it's just such a shame that it's on like like national TV as well, like streams on the BBC for this like massive gig that just was a bit even the sound was awful as well it's not even like everything about it yeah this is this is a bad topic man this is bringing me down let's uh let's let's lighten the mood some more uh what like um what so you say you got like yeah the happier times like what's like your best uh memorabilia thingy that you've got there then my fucking pride and joy i don't know if you can see these are two sets of lemmy strings which he played on that tour (laughs) Wow, that, uh, that's signed. That one's <laughs> not for some reason. Um, what happened was Tim Butcher uh, came up to us. Um, can't remember where it was. It was somewhere in Germany, uh, and he said, uh, "All right, lads, what you know? What would you pay for a set of Lemmy strings?" And like me and the pest, it was just there was two of us again. You see, Elliot kept fucking off and missing out on all this. <laughs> Where's stuff. he going when he's honest? <laughs> I was pissing about buying fucking cuddly bears for some bird back over in Leeds or something. I don't know. You know what I mean? He wasn't where he should have been anyway. So he came over and he said, how much would you pay in all this? And I'd say, I said, fucking what, I'll pay that he's played? And he goes, yeah, we change him every gig. I goes, well, I don't know. What do you want from him? And he goes, uh, well, he said, Todd Singerman, the manager, had, had told him to start packing, packing all the strings up because they, they were just throwing them away. Mm. Um, and he said, pack them all up, get Lemmy to sign them, and we'll put them on eBay. And obviously, Lemmy and Tim were fucking were not happy with that, you know what I mean? Like fleecing people, really. Yeah. So Tim made an agreement with us. He said, uh, if you boys fuck off <laughs> and bring me and Lem a bottle of bourbon each, you can have you can have a set each. And I was like, we were like, right, okay, chief. And off <laughs> we went. <laughs> and we brought back a couple of bottles of bourbon and they gave us the strings. They're the signed ones. And then, obviously, when Elliot found out after the gig, he was, you know, not best impressed. So I said, well, you fucking hell, man. You should be there. You should be with us. So uh, he came to the next sound check, and we and we said again, oh, is there any chance for for Elliot getting a, getting a set? And he goes, uh, uh, let me see what I can do. And he came back, and he gave us all another set. So I ended up with, you know what I mean? Me and the pest ended up with two sets each. But, you know, they're sort of things, I don't know, they're probably worth some money to somebody, but they'll never get sold. Not until I'm dead anyway. And now yeah, I last need, you know, <laughs> all this fucking shit that I've got. But I've also got like, um, did you see that Filthy Sister auctioned all his gear off not long ago? No, I didn't see that. No. Yeah, there was a big auction, um, Chester or somewhere like that. Fucking hell, man. Unbelievable stuff. Like uh, the actual Iron Fist. Wow. <laughs> yeah. 
the 916 backdrop, um, a load of his drums and stuff, all his flight cases, you know, with all filthy mm. painted on and all this. Um, uh, I was uh, I was after there was a little drum drumstick case, and the uh, with you know with filthy tailor on it and all like tour passes and stuff stuck on it. And I was after that, and the list price was like between forty and sixty quid. So I thought ah, I can fucking manage that. Anyway, that was bullshit. It went for about 500 quid. <laughs> so I ended up with <laughs> this oh, thing. Drum roll. What's that? Which is a fucking... This is a warning sign which says, detectable amounts of chemicals known to the state of California to cause cancer, birth defects, and other reproductive harm may be found in and around this facility. So this is something that... Filthy animal tailor has pinched off a fucking some sort of chemical factory or nuclear test facility. Some sign. So I got that, which means fuck all, but it's, there's a letter of authenticity and all it. And then I got this fucking thing. This like horrible electronic drum machine, drum X machine, okay. um, which was his as well. But I mean, like, obviously, these were not the things that I was after, but I had to get fucking summit and now fuck as well. <laughs> All I could afford, because um, like fist, it, it was like thousands and thousands of pounds that he went for. You know, ridiculous amounts. I know a lad that bought the roof of his car. The roof of his car, just the roof. Yeah, a Corvette, yeah, a Corvette. <laughs> All right, um, that makes more sense. That, you know that, like a, a hard a hard top, but yeah. one that pop the roof off. Well, apparently, uh, Filthy bought this Corvette when he was living in Los Angeles, and. Uh, he took the roof off, put it inside, and he left his car outside. Well, he come back down, and the car had been fucking nicked. <laughs> so all he was left with was the roof, <laughs> which he kept for yeah, reasons. Kept, yeah. In case another car and, came along that uh, fit on. <laughs> no, oh man, I who shall remain nameless uh, is, uh, has got it. I don't know what the fuck he's done with it. Like, <laughs> use it as a coffee table or something. I don't know. Um, what other little bits and pieces? Oh, this was pretty. Cool. I was sending uh, correspondences back from the fucking road in 2012, and I, back to our last these like shit postcards and stuff. I mean, what does this say? Here? In gay party, and it's probably not of not of rough as as me though. Uh, was in a battle 3 a.m. in Belgium last night, thinking we had a day off, but we have to get back to. I don't even know what it fucking says, but then I sent this other one. Which basically is a postcard of a shopping centre hologram. I don't know if you can see that, but on the back, there's nothing but the address, and then uh, uh, like all the band signed it. Oh sure, that should be in a frame so somewhere. Cool. Yeah, to get that get that through the post though, you know what I mean? All signed, which is pretty fucking cool. But that's our lasses. Uh, obviously, it's not mine. <laughs> that's what she thinks. Um, I've got other bits and pieces. I've got a set list from Derby, um, one of Mickey's drumsticks, a couple of Wurzel's guitar strings, uh, but uh, signed records and stuff. But I mean, I, I do collect gear, you know, records especially, uh, Motorhead bangers stuff, um, you know, the, the magazines and stuff. But mainly, it's just the fucking the memories in my head. Uh, just it was the best month of my life that uh, 2012, never to be repeated. 
Man, yeah, that that's again. I'm sorry to get at you, but that's why you need to write this book because mm-hmm. the stories from that are something I'm everyone would want to hear. Something we'd all thought of doing. Let's yeah. just follow a band around for a bit, but you've actually followed through on it. Yeah, well, I mean, there was a lot, a lot of people did it, you know. You know, you get the super fans that you know, Mick Stevenson, people like that. Oh yeah. That you know, I spoke to a lot that you know that were on the documentaries and stuff. But there's a lot of super fans that don't go in for all that sort of stuff. They don't bother with passes, but they still do like the full, especially the full British tour. So um, they just do the gigs, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was like, for the UK tours, there was a band of us, there was about, I don't know, 10 or 11 of us, which were pretty much all of us were every single gig and every single Weatherspoon's closest to the venue. We'd all like come in from our different modes of transport, and you could guarantee they'd all be in there. You know what I mean? All sat together, yeah, fucking huh. leathered on Abbott yeah. Ale or whatever. <laughs> Patches Fire on Fireballs and coke. So I think we've covered all the bases, eh? You got anything else? I think I've got plenty everything. of other stuff, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I have to do a follow. Up. I don't know if that's uh, yeah, if that's you know. I just want to say you want to you know keep on with it because it's uh, it's fired my interest up again. And and let me know if if you want to, you know, if you want to get Tim on here, uh, I could get him on here, you know, from Leader of Down. Yeah, absolutely. He, he, uh... He's got some great stories for you, you know. Obviously, he's a lot more involved in it than me. He's you know, he's recorded with most of the fucking members from our. Yeah, this he's is a good lad. He's great. To... He'll tell he'll tell you some great stuff. Yeah, we need to start doing more interviews like this. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Being, yeah, I, mean, I could probably hook you up with a couple of other people as well. You know, some of the older lads that have followed them since like fucking '79 or whatever. Yeah, that'd be uh, really cool. Let's summarize then. Favorite album was Bastards. 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 Yeah. Close second. Aftershock. Aftershock. Oh. Yes. Mm-hmm. One like of the, the best silver. opening lines in a song. Don't know what I did last night, but I sure did it good. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that runs through my mind most mornings. All right, then favorite favorite time saw them live was Ludwigsburg, two thousand twelve. Two thousand twelve. Shadow of a doubt. You got a favorite song, individual, not linked to an album. He's thinking that's, that's a, a one. difficult one. Favorite song. It is. <laughs> uh, oh, just, just is there. Um, on your feet, on just your even knees like a group of there. songs. Uh, Damage Case is always up there. Even Sex and Outrage, which I know you lads didn't really like, but I think that's fucking brilliant. <laughs> that's always up there. There's so many, isn't there? You know what I mean? But not really not really any of the, the main ones. Ace of Shaves for me, that could have fucked off a long time <laughs> ago. Blades, as could blades. Metropolis. Yeah. Oh, That's the thing. It's like, if you ask anyone a top 10, it's it's even hard to put it down to a top 10. I am dying to hear yours. <laughs> you have not got an official one. You I filled am. the top ten after the first four albums. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah. Uh, um, I like, but all I mean, are you going to go into like headcat and stuff like that? I think we're going to have to eventually. when we run out of studio albums, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, we still got a ways to go yet, though. I went down to see them as well. You know, the the only London gig that was fucking spectacular. I. Uh, I knocked a uh, Ginger Wild Art, you know, that guy, the Wild, Wild Art. Yeah. He was supporting acoustically. And at this little bar, after he played, I went and bought a couple of Jack and Cokes for me and our lass. And uh, I looked to the side of me. 
is Ginger Wilder. So I thought, oh, say hello. So I went to say hello. And as I moved my big fucking long lanky arm around to shake his hand, I just pushed both Jack and Cokes onto him. <laughs> doused him. <laughs> fucking soaked him. Doused him in like fucking 25 quid's worth of fucking whiskey. You know what I mean? Uh, I didn't shake his hand. I just said, sorry, mate. <laughs> <Walks> <laughs> <off>. <laughs> uh, but yeah, head cat, you should check that out. Uh, and also, uh, did you listen to the Leader of Down album? I have a bit of it. Matt knows a bit of you. Yeah. yeah, get that. Get our fucking album bursting. And if anybody's listening to this and you're uh, missing a bit of chaos and not necessarily musical ability, then come <laughs> see Segregates because uh, there's plenty of chaos. When do you next play We put this up on July the 8th is when this is going to go up. So when will be your next gig after that? Uh, we've got one in York. Uh, I can't remember when. Just look at the fuck it on the internet. Check the social medias. Um, <laughs> but we've got a big one in um, October, the Motorhead World Weekend. We're playing okay. that. I've seen bits about this, yeah. So just a big gathering of Motorhead fans. And is it all tribute bands and other people? Well, we're not fucking tribute bands. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> so like, <laughs> not good enough. <laughs> uh, there's us and Leader of Down. We're doing the Friday. I think Motorhead could play in the Saturday, and then there's something else going off on the Sunday. But there's people flying in from all over the world: uh, Holland, Germany, America, Canada, fucking up, which is which is pretty fucking cool, really, yeah. to come and celebrate. You know, the Colonel and the rest of the lads. I have to see who's putting that on. Maybe they'll. Uh... Be interested in giving us a free ticket to put us over there. Just go. We could just go and support the course. Well, get in touch. Go to the Motorhead World Facebook group and uh, have a word with a with a geezer. I think he's called Peter. That'll be our next step. So, Smell, thanks for talking to us. Thanks for coming right, on. Really interesting episode. Please get on with that book for everyone's sake. Yeah. And good luck up. with the and, band um, and everything going forward, man. All right, lads. Cheers, mate. Have a great, man. Rise and all that. Adios. Rock and Have a good roll. one, man. Cheers now.